Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come and join us at 10am every Sunday. Thank you, Lord, for this word that you've put in Peter's heart and we just pray, Holy Spirit, you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to the church. Just anoint him now in the name of Jesus that we would hear what you have to say to us today the word of God for the moment and in the moment, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, as has uh, been said, we're going to start a new um, series uh, this morning. And uh, I don't know whether you kind of think, well, I wonder how they kind of get to the point of having a series. And um, so we were, we were actually praying together um, before Easter and kind of saying to God, okay, well, what do you want us to speak into? What do you want uh, the church to hear from you? And uh, as we prayed together, um, we felt um, as elders together that um, actually there were some things that God wanted to say to us as a church. And um, so gradually we kind of put together um, this um, kind of series that we're going to start this week and probably take us through to about Christmas time, I reckon, maybe a bit beyond, just depends how many kind of extra things we fit into the middle. And um, so, um, yeah, extra ones to fill, that's right, yeah. And so, <laughs> um, no, there's always extra things that happen, other people who come in to speak, so there's always a, a bit of um, slippage in, in kind of actually deciding what's going to happen on a specific week. But um, we, we think that actually God wants to say something very clear to us uh, about what he wants to say to us, his church. So I just want to start thinking about, um, well, what, the, what does the world say to us? And, um, and actually, the world doesn't say much to us. It says a lot to I. We live in a very egocentric world, don't we, where our I is very important, Um, We only need to look at um, people's Facebook or their Insta feeds, and uh, then we see what they like. They see we see what somebody is passionate about. Um, It says things like, "Look at what my children have done. Look what I did. Look what I have made." And so, just for illustration purposes, um, I've got one of your Facebook feeds, which we're going to put on the screen behind. You're all kind of going, oh no, I hope it's not me. And that's because actually, although we want people to know about us, we don't necessarily want to be centre of attention, do we? And uh, so, no, I haven't got one to put up on the screen. What would people think of me? You know, we name our phones iPhones because they're they're ours. Um, If we look at social policy... It's all about the expression of self, how valid we are as individuals. And um, that is the whole focus of society. It's the focus of much teaching in our schools. And you know, I don't think church life is greatly different. We sing many songs which are focused about my faith and, and my interaction with Jesus, my relationship with my God, in my church. We get disappointed, don't we, when God doesn't appear to be listening to what we are saying. 
David expressed this. Psalm 121, verse 1. I look to the hills, and where does my help come from? He talked about what was happening in his life. And lots of the Psalms were David like going, Oh my word, what are you doing, God? Where do I fit into all of this? And uh, we could probably re- redo that verse. Uh, you know, I look to my phone, but where does my help come from? I look at my bank balance, and where is the next supermarket shop coming from? I look at my smart meter, and where is the heat going to come from? We can focus in so much on what is happening in our lives. I think we get frustrated when we don't get what we believe we should be getting from church when it doesn't provide for our needs. We get put out if we can't sit in our usual seat. And you know, I'm no, I'm no better in all of this. You might think I'm standing up here because I've got all this sorted. Absolutely not. So as I was thinking about this, I was reminded about um, the book I wrote a few years ago now, Why Am I So Crap? You know, I focused. It's all a, this book I think is good. I think it's, it's valid. It's all about actually getting ourselves and understanding who we are in Christ. And I think that's really, really important. But actually, we can spend a lot of time thinking about ourselves. And it's not wrong to think about ourselves. God is interested in you. Jesus died for you. If you had been the only one, he'd have died for you. God is passionate about you. But actually, when we look at the Bible, most of it is not written to individuals. It's not written to us as individuals. It's written to the people of God, the wider church. And we often read the Bible in a personal way. So, Um, This bit is from Isaiah 43. This is a really well-known passage. It's a brilliant passage. God says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Isn't that great? They will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, the Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom. God would give the full of Egypt for your ransom. Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? 
and we read the Bible and we get so excited about what God has for us, his, his riches and his love for us. But if we read the first verse, verse 1, it says, But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. This is God's people. He's speaking about the you is plural. And we don't get that because in English, you is you. And we, we can't differentiate whether you is singular or plural because it's spelt the same. So we struggle with this. In other languages, it's not so. But the way the English language is means that we can easily read whole passages of the Bible. And we think it's all about an individual, us. And yes, God wants to speak to us. But actually, he wants to speak to us corporately. And that's the whole point of this next series. We want to look at a passage that is incredibly familiar to you. And we want to look at it through a completely new lens. The corporate lens rather than the individual lens. So um, as has already been, been trailed, uh, I didn't get to break this news because Neil was straight in there at the beginning. Um, this is from Ephesians 6 and starting at verse 10. And it's the section that many of you will know. Many of you will know the verses intimately well. And it's called the armor of God. And we often read this passage about what God is doing for us, what he will do for us. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in times of evil. And then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So we know the passage well. But actually, as you read this, it's actually written in the plural. It's not written individual. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It starts. And that's a corporate command. And we read it individual. And yes, it's important to be strong in God. If we were all neglecting our walk with God, 
corporately, we would also be weak. So don't hear that I'm saying this isn't to be taken on an individual basis. But actually, as Paul's writing this, he's writing it to the Ephesian church, a corporate body. And he's trying to encourage them to together do some of those things, together put on their belt of truth, together have their shield of righteousness, put on their helmet of salvation together. And actually, as they corporately did that, that they would be able to stand strong as a church. And so we're going to do a series which looks through this passage and actually um, challenges how can we, the church together, stand strong by doing these different things, just looking from a different perspective If we individually don't spend time with God, as I've said, we'll be a bit weaker. If we cease to meet together, we won't be very strong. When we don't fellowship with one another, we become weak in our faith. And as it says in the word, many have wandered away. And we've seen this, haven't we? If you've been in church life for any length of time, you'll see people who have become disillusioned with church. And they say, it's fine, my faith is strong, but actually church is a real turn-off. And so they, they don't come and they don't spend time with the people of God. And we see that over time, they become weak, they become blunt, and actually they walk away from God. And it's so sad. And the church often upsets many people. We know that. But actually, when we come together as the church of God, we become stronger. And actually, we can withstand the difficulties of church. The start of our church, um, there was um, a passage which was incredibly key. Isaiah 41, um, 17 and 18. And it says this, The poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert pools of water uh, and the parched ground into springs. This is God's promise to us. But actually, as we look outwards from here across the Peak District, as we look beyond there into the world, that there are many parched places. And if we go out and we try and fix all of that stuff on our own, then quickly we'll end up drying up. But God is sending us together as a people of God. It's our promise as a church on the back wall, we've, we've got these um, words from a different version. And it says, I will op- open up rivers for them on high pl- plateaus. I will give them fountains of water 
in the valleys. Them. It's us. Not I. If we just have a look at this passage, Isaiah 41, verse 6 says, Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, Be strong. And that's an encouragement to us that actually we are strong when we are together. And then just after, God says, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners, and I called you, and I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And we can easily read that kind of thing and think, well, God's once again speaking to an individual. Was he, was he just speaking to Isaiah? But no, Isaiah was speaking out the word of God to his people. And that's his word to us. We are his servant. We are the bride of Christ. And so God speaks to us and says, I have these things for you, my bride. Jesus asks us to come together and serve one another. And it's kind of an odd thing, isn't it? Thinking about being a servant. But actually, that's what he calls us to do. He doesn't call us into church life to be served. We don't come to receive, but we come to give. And actually, when we look at church in that way, when we come and we give, we all strengthen one another. And actually, we all benefit from it. Jesus asks us very specifically to do this. Um, This is from Mark 10. Jesus says, But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be the slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. When you read those words and you you hear about Christ the servant giving his life for us, it will make you think of Philippians 2. And actually, when you read Philippians 2, Paul is writing to the Philippian church. And actually, that whole passage is, yeah, Jesus died and this is what he was like. But actually, if you together are like this, then you will be a glorious bride for him. And I want to encourage you over um, the coming um, week, the coming weeks, to, as you read the Word of God, read it with a different lens. And I've been doing that recently, and I've reread Ephesians, and, and I got really quite excited, because um, you can read a lot of these um, passages, you read them, and it's great, thank you God, you're speaking into my life, and that's amazing. But if you read it with this lens of, okay, this is about corporate, we suddenly see some richer stuff in there. 
Now, I want to read the whole of Ephesians to you, but we haven't got time. So <laughs> you're now all very relieved. Um, but there's um, a few passages that I just want to pick out of Ephesians. These are, these are some bits that you know really well. But actually, I just want to read them as an example that as we um, look differently at the Word of God, that it strengthens us. It makes us more like he wants us to be as the people of God. So Ephesians 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Remember, this is written to a group of people. This is written to a church. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's you. The holy people. That's you. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. His power is for us. We receive that when we come together, when we call on his name. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. That is the promise of what he has for us. A power that is so great that it could raise Christ from the dead, despite the fact that he had borne all of our iniquity on the cross. And that power that could take him from the depths of hell and raise him up glorious at the right hand of God. That is the same power that we have as the people of God to see his kingdom come. Chapter 2 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. How great is that? Ephesians 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. With power. Where do we get this power from? Through his spirit in your inner being, so that my Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, plural, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide. How long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? And to know that his love surpasses all knowledge and that you will be filled to the measure of the fullness, not just 
like a little bit on the side, to the measure of the fullness of God. That's the kind of strength we have when we come together and the power of God works. If we just look at what's happened in our meeting this morning, God speaks through different people and actually he changes us. He says, these are the things that might be holding you back from being more in love with me, for being more effective for my gospel. And I want to help change you by speaking to each other, by helping one another change. Neil's already used this verse this morning. To him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ. I think as we find out corporately, what is it that pleases God? We will be so much stronger as individuals, yeah, but corporately. And actually, we will see his kingdom established more powerfully as together we strengthen one another, as we sharpen one another, as we gather. So, as it says in the verse that I started with, finally, be strong in the Lord. So we might need to do something about some of our behaviours that may be a bit egocentric, a bit... Am I moving too much? Sorry. Um, It's a good job it's not Neil who's got this on. It would be doing that all the time. Um, We might need to do some stuff that's about I. And uh, God wants to change us individually, yes. But actually, he may want to do some stuff that's about changing us, his people, his his bride. And I don't know what things he's going to change in us as we go through this series. But I'm kind of excited to see what will God do with us as we open ourselves up and see what he would do. I think our time's up. Um, So um, we've got coffee and I believe nice cake um, outside. If Facebook's anything to go by, and yes, I do look at it, um, we've got nice cake this morning. And um, so I want to encourage you to get food and drink, but actually to spend time with one another. We're encouraged to one another, aren't we? And uh, this time at the end might make you feel slightly awkward because you don't quite know who to speak to or what to do. If you're like me, that may be the case. If you're, if you're an outgoing person, that may not be true. Um, But actually, um, let's look after one another. Let's speak into one another's lives. Let's pray for one another. And let's see what God would do. Thank you.